Last week, we launched a series called Dangerous Prayers. And at the end of the message was a message called Search Me. And it was from a, a, a song that David wrote, a, a dangerous song, because he asked God to search him. And the thing about when you ask God to search you, it's one of those prayers that God tends to answer. And if you don't want God uh, lifting the veil, looking behind the curtain, digging and prodding and, and scratching, uh, by the way, He already knows everything that's going on. But if you think that He doesn't and you don't want Him to find out, don't pray that prayer. It's dangerous because He'll answer it. So here's what I said at the end of the message last week. How many of you wanna join me in praying the dangerous prayer uh, every day for this seven day period? And I was really encouraged that about 80% of you put your hands up. Now, it's not practical for me to vesper around the Perth metro area seven days a week, knocking on your door, checking in that you did actually do it. I'm not gonna ask for a show of hands of who did and who didn't do it. I will say this though, if it was important to you, you would have done it. And in fact, if I said this to you, if you could bring me proof, if I said this last week, if you could bring me proof next Sunday, every single one of you, this is open invitation. If you can bring me proof next Sunday that you prayed that dangerous prayer, like you said you were going to, if you bring me proof that, that you did it every single day for seven days, I will give you $5,000 cash, no questions asked. And you say, what? what sorry, five, did you have 5,000? Yeah, I said $5,000. So, so you're saying, if, you, if, if all I have to do is pray two sentences, because that's, that's the dangerous prayer, two sentences, that if I do that seven days, so mm, time cost, mm, 10 seconds a day, seven days, a minute and, and change, that you'll give me $5,000. Yep, no strings attached, nope. Don't have to give, nope. I reckon pretty much every single one of you would have prayed that dangerous prayer for 10 seconds every single day and logged that on your little iPhone digital microphone because we do what's important to us, we give time to what's valuable. And so uh, I was encouraged to have several of you specifically say to me uh, that you did pray that prayer every day for seven days. I even had one person say they prayed it twice a day, morning and night. I'm like, jeez, man, that's double dangerous. And I even have had some people who share with me some of what God actually uh, highlighted for them that He wants to strip away. Um, that's less than his best. And so the dangerous prayer is a prayer that David uh, prayed to God. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me. It's on the screen if you think that I'm reading it. I'm not because that screen doesn't have it on that screen. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and I get the last bit wrong because we used to sing this in the Catholic Church and it, I can't get it out of my head. And lead me in ways everlasting. It's exactly how we sung it too. So that's why I left the Catholic Church. Um, so there you go, that's a dangerous prayer. Take that in as a life prayer because there's gonna be stuff that you'll accumulate that you can pray down the line and God will say, yeah, actually, let's get rid of that. And the other thing I invited you to do is join me in, in reading the Dangerous Prayer Bible Plan. And again, it's not a big time commitment, although it's the best time you can spend. And um, I don't want Neil Watson and I quite a few weeks ago and, and we're just talking about the, the need for us as Elevate Church to, to be digging in to God's Word yeah. regularly. Yeah. If this is the only time you, you, you flip your Bible open on a Sunday, 
I say, you're an idiot because you're missing out because God's word is life and it's truth and you're becoming spiritually anemic, uh, spiritually uh, anorexic if you're not consuming God's word in your own time. So I'm encouraged for the people that did that. This week, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be teaching about another dangerous prayer. And today's dangerous prayer is actually gonna mess with some of your heads. So is this table if it keeps rocking, so stand by. Perfect. That's the limit of my handyman skills. Ah, oh, damn it. Didn't even get that right. Um, today's dangerous prayer is gonna mess with, with some of your heads. Uh, because today's dangerous prayer actually flies against the prevailing culture that we are immersed in in Western society, Perth, Australia, every single day. A, a culture that values comfort over just about everything else. Uh, today's dangerous prayer is gonna fly in the face of a culture that values convenience over just about everything else, that values self-preservation over just about everything else um, and, and values security and knowing over just about everything else. And so before I teach on today's dangerous prayer, I, I wanna, I think it's only right that I issue some warnings to you so you can decide now whether it's a good time to download Solitaire and for the next 25 minutes, play that and don't listen to me because you, if I'm just letting you know, some of you don't want to pray this dangerous prayer. Like I'm just saying, you, you don't. Like, trust me when I let you know, some of you will not want to pray today's dangerous prayer. Okay, so because here's the warnings. If you love comfort more than you love Jesus, do not under any circumstances, pray today's dangerous prayer, okay? If you love convenience more than you love God's calling and wanna fulfil it, then don't pray today's dangerous prayer. If you think that you're on this planet to merely pay the bills, not piss too many people off and, 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 and one day get into heaven relatively unscathed, do not pray today's dangerous prayer, okay? I'm a good guy. I'm putting that all on the table up front because today's dangerous prayer is a prayer that simply says, God, Break me. Now, open the newly refreshed Elevate app and it'll take you to a little story that some of you, if you've been around uh, church world for a while, will be very familiar with. Um, and uh, I'm gonna read that to you. Um, just a heads up, we are gonna put it on the screen and I'll let you know so you don't think that you're losing your mind. The version on the screen will not be identical to the version in our app. There's a reason and you don't need to know. Um, before I read that, let me, let me put this out there. Have you, just rhetorical question, have you ever asked the question or heard the question asked, 
Why do bad things happen to good people? That, that, that's, a, that's a prevalent question in our society. It's even a prevalent question in churches. Why do bad things happen to good people? The underlying assumption behind that question looks like this, that, that life is divided into two columns. In one column is the good stuff. And the good stuff happens to good people and it comes from God. That's column number one. And we like column number one. Column number two is the bad stuff. And the bad stuff happens to bad people. And it's not from God. Maybe, maybe sometimes we'd be willing to blur the line and accept that, that sometimes uh, bad things happen to good people who make bad decisions. So, all right, you're not a bad person, but that was a bad decision. So, so bad consequences, sucks to be you, but you know. We can't always get our head around the idea that why do, why do sometimes, why do bad things happen to good people through no fault of their own? That's the bit we struggle to reconcile. How is it that someone who's good finds themselves experiencing things in the bad column? And if God was really doing His job, He'd never let us experience the bad stuff. We'd never experience life in the bad column. We'd live in the good column with the good stuff coming from the good God if He's doing His job. And if He's not doing His job, why would I even bother following Him? Some of your friends who aren't followers of Jesus may have asked you that question. Why would I follow God? Because look, obviously isn't very good what He professes to do because why do bad things happen to good people? If God's loving. Yeah, but God's not a helicopter parent. God does occasionally let you scrape your knee like a good parent does. <laughs> he even lets you fall out of trees sometimes and break a bone or two like a good parent does or shopping trolleys. Yes, God protects us sometimes. And yet He also lets us go through some stuff. And I'm gonna talk about that. Luke records this scene where Jesus was gathered with His closest followers and He was explaining to them how He was about to be uh, arrested, uh, tried, convicted for crimes He didn't commit, nailed to a cross, buried in a tomb that He only had to borrow because He was gonna rise again. And, and he did that over a meal. Um, and this is how Luke recorded the scene. Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body, which was given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. I've highlighted those two words and, and I'll tell you why. Before I do though, those of you that have been followers of Jesus and been in church world for a while and, and in my case grew up in the Catholic church, this is a very familiar scene. This, this is something that we would point towards uh, what we might call communion, okay? 
most of you know that. I, I appreciate that. Um, and, 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 and communion can be something that's done uh, corporately across the whole church, and we do that regularly. It can be something that can be done between two people. We do it in Elevate groups. Um, you probably find that communion, in terms of this idea of having some sort of a meal and in the context of, of remembering Jesus and being thankful for His sacrifice for us, uh, is done uh, many days of the week around Elevate Church. But, but here's, here's a question I've, I'm asking about. The, I'm, like, I'm in. Like, as far as celebrating communion, I'm in. Absolutely, and we do it regularly. Unanimously, Bible experts agree that, that this is something that Jesus established a pattern of this communion meal. And if you do it with crackers and, and juice or whatever, it, it, it's not the point, but reflecting back on on Jesus and his sacrifice for us. There's, there's pretty much universal agreement around that. Some Bible uh, uh, big brains, however, go one step further to say that this isn't limited. What we're seeing and what Jesus is saying, do this in remembrance of me, is not limited to us participating in communion together. But in fact, it's actually a pattern for living. And when you think about it, everything that Jesus did is a pattern for living. We are meant to be being transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus. We are meant to pattern our lives after His life. And two of the hallmarks of Jesus' life is that He was willing to be broken so that He ultimately could be poured. Broken, and poured, a pattern, broken and poured. And unless you've been broken, it may be that you cannot fully be poured. So let's talk about that. And let me show you this lady. And she's, she's a champion. She's a prostitute. Uh, and when I read stories like the one I'm about to show you, I'm reminded that people who weren't like Jesus liked Jesus. Jesus didn't just come on December 25 for church people. We don't have a lock on him. In fact, we're meant to share him. And uh, he didn't shoo people away that weren't like him. In fact, he called them to him. And so this prostitute breaks through the Secret Service security barriers and uh, makes a beeline to Jesus. And, and before they could uh, shoo her away, this is what happened. Mark records it. And in fact, uh, by the way, this happened not long before the scene that we just talked about of the supper. Funny that she got it before Jesus actually demonstrated even to his closest followers. While Jesus was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, another person that uh, religious people wouldn't have been seen in the same house as, but once again, people who weren't like Jesus liked Jesus and He made time for them. A woman, a prostitute, came in with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. That perfume uh, is re reported to have been a year's wages. 
So whatever you make, that's how much it was worth. AKA, more than the one they sell at Chemist Warehouse. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Now you can go on to read the rest of that for yourself. Of course, religious people got upset. They don't like generosity, freedom, breakthrough. But here's the context. Um, it was really only prostitutes that wore perfume in that day, especially expensive perfume, because it was expensive. And the average uh, housewife didn't have the disposable income to buy perfume worth a year's wage. So what it actually meant for the prostitute is as she walked the streets by day, by night, uh, it, it, as she passed by a, a dude, uh, that, that dude, it was like her business card. He would go, hmm, I smell me some prostitute. And uh, he, he'd know, and she wouldn't have to tell him. And, and he'd, if, he, if, if that's what he wanted to do next, he'd approach her and I don't know what happens after that, but, um, and don't Google that. But uh, he, um, so this was her, this, was, this, this actually was her form of advertising. And she was taking, because, and so by the way, you understand how businesses work. You use advertising to generate income and you use that income to live on, okay? There's no great revelation there. She used the perfume as advertising to generate income, clientele, who would then pay her money that she would use to live on. What she did, these are dominoes. Domino one, domino two, domino three. Without the advertising, you don't get the clients. Without the clients, you don't get the money to live on. She broke the advertising. She passed out the advertising. She handed over the advertising. Domino number one. And without domino number one, she was handing over domino number two and domino number three. This wasn't just about an act of worship towards Jesus, which some of you may have heard it taught. It is that, but it's also about her handing over her security to Jesus. Acknowledging her past. Everyone knew, hey guys, I'm a prostitute. Yeah, I know, we smelt you. But here's the thing. I don't wanna be a prostitute any longer. You won't find many prostitutes who wanna be prostitutes, but sometimes that's all they can get for a season in their life. And instead of judging her, Jesus let her worship Him. Jesus let her come to Him and say to Jesus, Jesus, without, without words, but with this, this rich act, this extravagant act, this, this actual, by the way, uh, to the naked eye, senseless act. I am gonna break an entire year's wages here. And in doing that, I'm saying that, that, that my, my past is now my past and it is no longer my future. I used to put my security in this perfume. I'm now putting my security in You, Jesus. I don't know what I'm gonna do next. I don't have any other skills. Why the heck do you think I became a prostitute in the first place? But here's the thing, I don't know, but you do. 
I don't have to know. My security doesn't have to come from me and what I've got and what I can accumulate and what I can hold on to and what I can know and what I can learn, but I can put my security in you and not just distance myself from my past, but trust you with my present and trust you with my future. I am willing to be broken so that my life can ultimately be poured out for something better than being a prostitute. About a decade ago, um, I uh, read something from Rick Warren. Now, Rick Warren leads a church called Saddleback Church in the US. He's, he's often called America's pastor. Uh, pretty big deal. Uh, he, I read something he wrote quoting uh, a, a, a Bible heavyweight called A.W. Tozer. Nobody knows what his real name is. A.W. Tozer. And um, that's not true. And uh, this is, this, is what, this is what I read. Rick Warren quoting A.W. Tozer. It is doubtful whether God can bless a person, man, greatly until he has hurt him deeply. <laughs> This is not a great church growth strategy to be representing this as truth. Hey, come to Jesus so you can be blessed, but oh, sorry, before then, you gotta get hurt and not just a little hurt, deeply hurt. And I remember reading that about 10 years ago. And it's not that, and I struggled to read that. Personally, I read that and I'm like, I don't know. And, and, and the reason I struggled with that isn't because I didn't want to believe it, but actually it's because that hadn't been my experience pouring my life. I've been called, I knew I'd been called to pour my life out in the service of God. I, I knew that. And, and yet somehow at that point in my life, I'd skipped the breaking bit, the, the, the being hurt deeply bit. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, that's pretty true for most people, but not me. And again, I wasn't saying it shouldn't be or, or that I was above it. I was just looking back in my rearview mirror of my own life and it hadn't been the case. I'd be pretty unscathed up to that point. Uh, leading part of the leadership team of one of uh, Australia's largest churches. I was speaking at churches around the world uh, six months of the year. I'd written and published a couple of books that were selling well, uh, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, and then uh, we, we knew, Louis and I knew that one day we'd, we'd step out from uh, the church we were part of the leadership in and lead our own church. And, uh, and I thought that when we did and we, we, we handed in a resignation, said it's time to, to fly the nest and, and, and find our, a church that, that God's called us to lead. Uh, I expected that this, uh, what had been something of a linear trajectory would just continue. That this church, when we, when we took it over, that, that it would just explode. And people would come to us and say, uh, Sensei, ah, oh, Taros, how oh, your Michael Church grow? And we'd be like, yeah, oh, easy, oh, very easy. Uh, I'll wax on, I'll wax off. You know, basic household chore, you can make anything. And, um, but instead of the church exploding, uh, after a year leading that church, uh, uh, we exploded. Uh, I got fired. Um, and, uh, and all of a sudden, my 45 degree trajectory uh, well, it didn't go at 45 degrees any longer. In fact, it went in all sorts of crazy directions. And all of a sudden, I found myself hurt very deeply. 
I found, we found ourselves quite broken. Um, and I remembered that maybe <laughs> what Rick Warren had said, quoting A.W. Tozer, maybe that's true. And if it is true, uh, now what? Like, I, and, and here's the thing, I didn't ask to experience life in the bad column. In fact, we're pretty good. We're good. To know us is to love us. My mum thinks I'm pretty good. Uh, Louis, most days, thinks I'm pretty good. We're pretty good. And yet, despite the fact that we're pretty good, we, we were experiencing life in the bad column and asking, hmm, why do bad things happen to good people? Actually, you know what? I, I, gotta, I gotta confess. Um, we actually didn't ask ourselves the question, why do bad things happen to good people? Because when you live life with a commitment to being poured out, you don't ask God why, sorry, how could you let this happen to us? You ask a different question. How can you use what's happened to us to make me more effective from this point onwards? Uh, one of our former colleagues after, who was based in Perth still emailed me after he found out that I'd been fired. And he's an ex-military guy, so he kind of emails in military lingo. Brandon, you like this? He, he, said to him, he emailed me, he says, uh, sorry to hear about what happened. Um, you know, you guys are fantastic. We're praying for you, all, all that. And uh, uh, I, hope, I hope you don't stop looking towards God's calling on your life because too many good people are leaving the battlefield. And I emailed back to him and said, buddy, I got no intention of leaving the battlefield. God's called me to pour my life out for him and that's not gonna change. I, I'm gonna spend a little bit of time in the, in the MASH unit. <laughs> that's okay, but, but, I'm, but, but I'm going back to the front lines as, as soon as I can. Often when we find ourselves getting broken, well-meaning friends and family say to us, it's okay, everything happens for a reason. You ever heard that? You ever had someone say that to you? You ever wanna punch him in the face? You ever read that in the Bible? Has anyone read that in the Bible? Everything happens for a reason? See, if you have, it's a different Bible than the one God wrote. No, not everything happens for a reason. Some things are just shit and they just happen. And you can't control them. You can't stop them. And once they happen, you can't change it. But here's what you should say to people who have been broken, here's what you should remind yourself if you are getting broken or have been broken. It's something that Paul wrote to the church in Rome and he said, and we know that God causes everything. See, here's the thing. Some people stop reading at that point in this. And we know that God causes everything. No, God doesn't cause everything, but there's not where the full stop is. And we know that God causes everything to work together for good Everything that's happened to us, God can cause that to work together for good. To, to, sorry, I, I, I memorised it in my own head in a different version. 
NIV, it's true. This is the NLT. Neil, did you know that? For the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. If you know that you're called according to God's purpose, if your life is to be poured out, then, then you've got to trust that even when you're broken, that God can use that. He can take that and He can cause it to work together for good. He didn't say He causes everything and He didn't say that God makes everything good, uh, sorry, only lets good things happen to us, but He, but, but he promises us. Paul promises us that God can take everything and cause it to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. This should make, this should not be a surprise to any one of you who've just watched the, 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 the season of the block. That, that they go into this once magnificent structure that isn't quite as magnificent. It's, it's now empty, abandoned, it's been broken. And, 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 and they don't start the process from there and start building forward. They actually break it even more. They actually start knocking stuff out even more. They actually start pulling things down more. Sometimes transformation begins with deconstruction. Some of your future transformation isn't gonna be built on what's already in you. It's gonna start by God taking some stuff out of you, breaking some stuff, pride, self-reliance, some of the, the cultural norms that, that maybe aren't always evil, but we get them confused thinking they're from God or God's best. And so we live suboptimal lives and God sometimes strips them from us, breaks them so that he, he's the, he is the master of repurposing. With God, nothing is wasted. He would win the block every season because that's what He does. And, 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 when you're someone who's experienced brokenness, you now have a front row seat alongside somebody else. But when they experience a similar level of brokenness, you will have a greater level of empathy that somebody who hasn't been broken in the same way could ever have. You know, I deliberately don't say to somebody who's being broken in a way that I haven't been broken, I never say to them, I can imagine what you're going through. You know what I say to them? I say, I can't imagine what you're going through. You lost someone to a terminal illness. I can't imagine what you're going through. You, you lost your home. I can't imagine what you're going through. You, you, your marriage broke up. I can't imagine what you're going through. But you know who can? People who have lost someone to a terminal illness. People who have experienced divorce in their life. And that, by the way, may be you. You got broken. You didn't see it coming. It wasn't your fault. And God didn't stop it. And I don't always know why He does stop some things and, uh, and doesn't stop others. I don't know. You know why I don't know? Because I'm not God. And I ain't applying for the job either. But He does allow us to get broken. And, 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 and when we do get broken, if we're committed, allowing ourselves to get broken and committed to being poured out, He will take that brokenness and use it for His purpose. 
in your life. And, and, and we have to trust that that's how he works. Uh, I reworked the English language by, by coming up with this. God's greatest breakings, that's not a word, often lead to life's greatest blessings. Or to say it differently, your greatest misery can become your greatest ministry if you allow God to repurpose your brokenness and commit to being poured out. Now, those of you like me who grow things to eat, you, you are aware that food doesn't grow on supermarket shelves, but typically comes out of the ground. Uh, what I'm about to show you won't come as any great shock, but some people, this is uh, news. <laughs> um, when you, when you grow stuff to eat, uh, or smoke, apparently, um, you, you, <laughs> you <laughs> same process. It starts with a seed. And, 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 you know, we can preach about the seed and there's, there's a time for that, not today. Uh, we can preach about the need to put that in the soil and there's a time for that. It's about to sow, you can't reap if you don't first sow. We, yep, but we won't today. We can talk about the importance of which soil you sow into and, 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 and we've, we've talked about that before and we'll talk about that again. The one thing that doesn't get much uh, airplay is this. This is the process. The one thing that doesn't get much airplay is, um, is, this, is this stage here. Let's call it stage two. You notice what, 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 what happened is that seed which is designed to ultimately bear fruit, will not bear fruit merely by being placed in the ground. That seed will not bear fruit merely by being put in good soil. That seed will only bear fruit if at some point in, in the process, it allows itself to be broken. Only if the seed allows itself to be broken, will it ultimately be able to produce the fruit that God designed for it to produce. If it's true in nature, it's true in our lives because God's principles apply in the same way. And so I'm finishing now by wanting to pray for a few of you. Um, some of you are in a broken phase right now. You, you, you are not going to walk away from here saying, God, break me because you're currently in it. Uh, and if you are, I want to pray for you in a, in a moment. <laughs> and what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to pray for God to take the broken away, just so you know. So I'm going to ask you if you want me to pray for you. And if you want me to pray, God, take the breaking away, I'm not going to pray that. So don't put your hand up. What I am going to pray is that you will continue to commit to being poured out and that through the period or season of being broken, that you'll, God will continue to show you what He might ultimately do and use that brokenness to produce in your life. So I'm gonna wheel back around to you if that's you this morning. Um, some of you have been broken in the past and, and while there may be some calendar distance between when you were broken and today, uh, you, you may still have not made sense, again, not of how could God let this happen to me, but how can God repurpose that? Brokenness. How, how can, as someone being willing to be poured out, how can you take that and, and allow me to be even more effective and, and bear more fruit? I, I wanna pray for you. I wanna pray for that clarity, if that's you this morning. Uh, and, and the third group I, I wanna pray for you, pray for is uh, those of you who, who have been broken 
in the past and you actually have an idea of why, but you're holding back from being, allowing yourself to be poured out because you don't want to be broken again because it was painful. And so you're living in your comfort zone and, and, and missing the actual opportunity for God to repurpose your brokenness and, 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 and all that pain that you actually made it through. So those are the three groups. I'm not gonna pray for those of you who haven't been broken. You go and pray for yourself. It's a real simple prayer. It, it goes like this. God, break me. <laughs> so, uh, the three categories, and, I, and I'm just going to pray quickly because I'm preaching on borrowed time now. Um, if you're being broken right now, if you've been broken in the past, but you want clarity of how God can use that as you pull yourself out, or if you've pulled back from pouring out because you've been broken and you don't want to be broken again, because by the way, God doesn't promise that we'll only get broken once. Uh, how about you stand up and, and I'm gonna pray for you. And this is a real safe place, by the way. I don't want anyone to see me. You don't have to come up and tell people why you're doing it. We're not gonna get T-shirts printed. It's one of the incredible things I love about Elevate Church is that we're a safe place and we make sure that you know that it's okay to not be okay. and that God doesn't want you to stay not okay. That's pretty cool too. God, for these people standing, whichever of those boxes that they fall into, whether they're people that you're breaking right now, God, I pray that they will never run from a commitment to being poured out. And that ultimately you would, you would take this breaking and you would repurpose it for your glory through them in the days ahead. That you would bring people around them that won't offer pithy uh, fortune cookie uh, cliche comfort, but would do life with them, pray with them, stand with them, walk with them, hold their arms up when, when, when their arms are tired. God, for those who have been broken and, 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 and haven't yet got that greater clarity of, of how you can use that experience and, and, and repurpose things in their life, I, I pray that you will bring greater clarity into their life, whatever that brokenness looked like. And that, and that they would actually uh, move beyond the third group and, and, and become people, and I'll pray for that third group, become people who aren't afraid of being broken again, who aren't afraid of being poured out because they trust you like the prostitute did with their future, not their circumstances, not their own security, but you, Jesus. And that third group, God, who, who have been broken and, and it was painful and no one's pretending it isn't and have kind of nestled up with their blankie for fear of being broken again, I pray that you would give them fresh revelation, 
fresh strength, fresh vision that they are called by you to live a life poured out for your glory, for your kingdom, for, 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 for living the pattern of your son Jesus, for the very people that your son Jesus came to earth to be broken and poured out. In Jesus' name, amen.